When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, everyone, and welcome to DevRaga Personal Finance, Episode 50. In this episode, we'll talk about three topics, and that is what is asset allocation and why is it important? And leading to that would be diversification, what that means, and also as part of your strategy in the long term, what does rebalancing mean? These are all three concepts you probably should be aware of by now, but it's a really, really important thing to master, particularly when it comes to your personal finance and future investing. Now, first of all, shout out to Yao Lu who is actually on Facebook, who suggested this podcast topic about asset allocation. Uh, I'm always looking for suggestions, preferably something to make whole episodes on. So thanks, Yalu, for your suggestion, and I hope you like this episode. Now, thanks, everyone, also for their submissions and private messages and feedback. Much appreciated. Working very hard to keep providing good content and hopefully of high quality and broken it down into little pieces of information which are easily digestible. That's the whole point of this podcast, to try and, you know, make the financial concepts as simple as possible. Because when you think about it, finances are not meant to be complicated. But I think if you listen to the media and if you read the uh, newspapers and financial magazines, they tend to make it more complex than what it probably should be. And hopefully I'm trying to achieve um, simplicity through these podcast channels and episodes. Now, if you've been listening to my podcast channel, you know the motto, save at least 20% of your after-tax income and take the money and pay yourself. Invest it, put it away, and do it for the long term. So we're looking at about 30 plus years if possible. And you'll get dividends over the years, always reinvest dividends. Don't drain them out in cash and spend them, always reinvest them. And if you can automate the process in the long term, then that's the best strategy. If you follow these simple steps over the long term, you'll likely have more wealth than you'll ever need. And more importantly, you can use that wealth to enjoy your personal life, but also help around um, help around people that are around you. So to the main topic, what is asset allocation? Now, asset allocation just means how much of your investments you want in specific asset classes. Um, I'm just coming off a bit of a flu, so apologies for the sort of a slightly nasally voice. Um, so, so what are the traditional asset classes that you can invest in? You can invest in the three main traditional asset classes, which is stocks, bonds, and cash. Now, stocks are essentially pieces of companies which you can buy in the share market. Sometimes the company's share price value increases and they also pay dividends along the way. Not necessarily, not all companies pay dividends, but you'll find that a lot of Aussie companies in the ASX pay very, very good dividends and a lot of them pay frank dividends. Now, bonds um, are basically fixed income securities. Now, you lend your money to a corporation or the government who then promise to return it to you after some time along with a fixed interest, and they're calling it coupons, okay? 
And point number three is cash, putting money into a savings account to earn interest. You can do that online savings account. Now, traditionally at the moment, the savings accounts are not returning anywhere near what they did some 10, 20 years ago. When you put it into the bank, you actually got good value in terms of returns on those savings. Now, if you put money into the savings account over about 10 years, you're probably going to lose money in the long run because of inflation. We've talked about that in the previous episodes. Now, those are the traditional asset classes, stocks, bonds, and cash. There are some non-traditional asset classes, which we'll go through in a moment. So commodities, you can buy precious uh, precious metals like gold, silver, and other metals or agricultural products and energy even. Um, REITs, we talked about that in episode 45, real estate investment trusts. Um, I go into detail about it in that podcast. So I won't bore you to death with it again. Collectibles, cars, coins, stamps, art collections. Um, you know, when I was young, I used to have a pretty decent stamp collection. Um, which were, you know, collectibles. I think I still have the have it somewhere in my garage somewhere. Um, I, I have a couple of colleagues who collect cars. Um, so, you know, they, they feel that uh, particularly vintage cars. So, yeah, definitely collectibles are, are big ticket items. Um, they're, they're sort of very non-traditional asset classes. Insurance products. Uh, you can actually invest in insurance products such as life insurance and life settlements, personal life insurance. That's a form of investment in yourself, I guess. If you have personal life insurance, that's a form of investment in your own life. Now, there are some complex uh, non-traditional asset classes and strategies such as derivatives um, and futures and options, uh, collateralized debt obligations, you know, getting a bit more complex here. It's beyond the scope of this podcast. Um, you can invest in currency or forex trading. Um, so you can buy and sell foreign currencies and take advantage of the market fluctuations in currency trading. You can invest in infrastructure. That's another non-traditional asset class. You can actually invest in specific infrastructure projects, whether it be private or government funded. Um, and you can have venture capitalism. So basically investing in new businesses, which comes, <coughs> beg your pardon, which comes with substantial risk, but also substantial rewards. Now, if you think about all the people that invested in Amazon when it first floated, who are now multimillionaires today, so that's a huge risk that they took, but they've rewarded severely uh, given the way Amazon is going at the moment. It really worked out well for them. And likewise, Google and likewise, Apple, etc., etc. Um, you have other complex asset classes like hedge funds. Again, we, we, we won't go into that. Maybe it's a it's a topic for another podcast, but it's very, very complex. Um, and also remember private property and commercial property if you've got enough funds, if you're not going to do it via the REIT structure. Now, property as an asset class is massive in Australia. Um, uh, you know, people want to own their own home. Everyone is looking to own their piece of Australian dream. In fact, most people's net worth in Australia is probably tied up on property. So don't forget that property is one of those, um, I guess, non-traditional asset classes, you know, when you compare to the three main traditional ones, which again is stocks, bonds, and cash. So what determines what asset classes you hold in your investment portfolio? Now, I want you to do this. Log into your super account after this podcast and have a look at where your super is invested. And you may actually find it very surprising that your super is probably invested in a wide array of asset classes, everything from stocks, Australian stocks, to international stocks, to real estate investments trust, to cash, to bonds, to commodities, to gold, etc. So it's actually quite diversified in your super. 
Now, what determines that? There are many determinants, but the two most important determinants are A, investment time horizon, and B, your risk tolerance. So we'll go through that in a moment. So investment time horizon. How long will you be investing for? For example, in my case, I never sell any investments. I try and hold it for at least 30 years plus because I'm betting over this time, the stocks and the properties that I hold will increase in value and pay dividends along the way, which is then reinvested into those investments or more of such investments are bought as a result of those dividends. Now, An investor who takes a long-term view like I'm doing may want to have more riskier assets like stocks, whilst an investor who has a short-term view may have more conservative asset classes like term deposits, cash or bonds, um, savings accounts or uh, or government bonds because it's safer. So why would a long-term investor want riskier asset classes? Remember, we've talked about risk versus volatility. It's because they want to take advantage of volatility because volatility in the long term is your advantage, is your best friend. Uh, We discussed this in a recent episode. You go back and listen to it if not already. Volatility can be your major friend if you know how to take advantage of it, particularly in the long term. Now, point B, what is your risk tolerance? We talked about investment time horizon. And the second thing that determines what asset classes you hold in your investment portfolio is your risk tolerance. (coughs) Beg your pardon. An investor that has a higher risk tolerance means they're likely to not mind losing some or all of their money. A conservative investor, on the other hand, is one who has a lower risk tolerance, so they're more looking to preserve their investment in the short term or in the long term. So, for example, if you're in your 20s or 30s, you're likely willing to take more risks, whilst if you're in your, uh, you know, within 10 years of your retirement, you probably want to reduce your risk as much as possible. This is because, generally speaking, although not always, more risk that you take, the more money you can potentially make and the more money you can potentially lose and vice versa. So... If you're 10 years out of retirement and you took way too much risk, example, investing in the next new big thing, and you lose all of your money, well, you've just killed your retirement. So it's a huge risk. So your risk tolerance is really, really important. And that also determines the type of assets that you hold and the type of asset classes that you hold uh, in your investment portfolio. Now, What determines these two things? So we've talked about these two things determine the asset classes that you hold, but what actually determines these two specific things? Now, both investment time horizon and both risk tolerance is determined by the most important of them all, what is your financial goal? What are you trying to achieve? Uh, Are you trying to have a great retirement? Uh, Are you achieving for a university fund for your children, private schooling fees, um, car fund, new home deposit fund, etc., etc.? So, (coughs) pardon me, if you have the two determinants that have asset classes, which is investment time horizon and risk tolerance, then there are other things that determine these two, and that is basically what is your long-term financial goal. Now, I just want to divulge a little bit more into this index investing because that's going to lead into diversification and rebalancing and how that ties together with um, asset allocation. Now, we've discussed about index investing in the past. Basically, there's an index for almost anything you want to invest in. For example, if you wanted to invest in an index fund which focuses on commodities, it's possible. Or perhaps just technology index. Yes, that's possible too. But don't confuse index investing as a form of asset allocation. Index investing is more about diversification 
which is slightly different. So let's now talk about diversification. That's why I wanted to talk a little bit about index eventing because it's a nice lead-in to the next concept, which is diversification. Now, you can say that asset allocation is similar to diversification because if you have uh, your overall assets allocated to multiple different asset classes, that isn't that a form of diversification? Um, well, technically, it is and it isn't. You know, technically, asset allocation is not the same as diversification, but it is a little bit of semantics. So let's let's go into deeper about diversification. Okay, so diversification just means once you choose an asset class, you can diversify even more within that asset class. So let's use an example to define this. Uh, let's say you choose to invest in stock portfolios. Okay. You can then choose to diversify within that asset class, stocks, and choose to invest in the whole of the ASX 200 index fund, which diversifies your investments within that asset class. So basically, you can hold, you know, one stock, you know, let's say you want to, you've got 10 grand and you want to invest in Telstra, you can do that if you want to, that would be madness, but you can do it, or you put the $10,000 into an ASX 200 or 300 index fund and spread it across, okay? So I hope this is a bit more clearer, okay? So that's not asset allocation, that is diversification. As often the terms asset allocation and diversification can be used interchangeably, but in the strictest definition, it's not the same thing. So when you log into your super after this, and you look at where your assets are allocated in the super, you can say that's a form of diversification, but you really need to look into each of those asset classes and see how well diversified you are within those asset classes, okay? So, who really cares? Why is asset allocation very, very important? Now, some people say asset allocation is the most important thing in investing. Why is that? Well, the whole point of asset allocation diversification is to protect your assets and also take advantage of the risk-reward ratio. It enables you to make money while at the same time to limit your losses. Okay. Historically, in most economic times, all assets don't just go up or down together. So you need to be aware that even in the darkest of times, there are some asset classes that may go up, there are major asset classes that may go down. For example, in low interest economic times, for example, if you look at Australian economy at the moment, we have very low interest economic times at the moment. We are seeing more people looking for better returns in the stock market, which has risen dramatically in the last few years. Now, because savings rates and bonds rates and everything is you know quite low, people tend to invest in the stock market. And that's why in the last six months, we've seen a dramatic improvement in the ASX. You know, it reached new heights recently. It's had a bit of a dip in the last sort of week or so with about 200 plus points lost. But overall, we're much better today than we were, you know, two, three years ago. So in low interest economic times, investors are looking for better returns and they look towards better returns in the stock portfolios and the stock markets. And in recent times, it's really risen dramatically. In economic downturns, for example, stocks are usually collapsing and bonds tend to do reasonably well because investors get really, really nervous. They take all their money out of the stocks and then go to some more secure investments like bonds. And as a result, the bond prices goes up, etc., etc. So you get the gist. Okay, and that's because in economic crises, investors want more security for their money. 
So given all of the asset classes don't mirror each other in times of crisis or in times of wealth, it's important to be strategic about your asset allocation, such as depending on the market conditions, you can take advantage of not losing money and also make money at the same time. Now remember, I'm a long-term investor and I hope you're listening to this podcast channel because you're a long-term investor. I don't advocate taking money out of one asset class and putting into another asset class and try and time the market and do some active investing. But if you're into that sort of stuff, you know, asset allocation is extremely important. But even if you're not into that stuff, asset allocation is still important because you don't want to be owning, you know, 80% of your net worth to be in one particular asset class because as you near retirement, you want to make sure that you protect those numbers as much as you possibly can. You try and protect your investments. You try and protect your wealth as much as you possibly can. So let's use an example of an asset allocation, okay? Suppose you're, you're listening to this and you're a 25-year-old uh, young apprentice who's worked your ass off, you know, and you've got a spare $100,000, okay? I know it's a lot of money, but let's, this sort of highlights the point, so bear with me, okay? So you've got about 40 years of investing horizon uh, ahead of you. You've got 40 years ahead of you to invest and you've got $100,000. You're a young apprentice listening to this podcast and you want to do something with that money. Your asset allocation might be something like this. 90,000 out of that might go to stocks. 10,000 out of that might go to bonds, and that's it. Okay? Your investment time horizon, your age, and your risk tolerance make it that putting most of your money into the stock market is a way to go. But suppose you're a 60-year-old with exactly the same amount of money, and you want to plan to retire in five years, your asset allocation might be something like this. You want to take 50 grand and put it into stocks, you want to take 40 grand and put it into bonds, and you might want to have $10,000 in savings accounts because you might need urgent cash, you know, your health needs, etc., etc. Now, I pluck those numbers out of a hat, to be honest. So, is there any rules? Is there any rules about asset allocation? Yes, there are some basic rules, but of course, without knowing your personal financial situation, take this with a grain of salt. But if you read the literature, there are some basic rules about asset allocation. The most famous rule out of all of that is the 100 minus age rule, okay? So the 100 minus age rule is what you should be allocating your percentage into stocks. So if you're a 30-year-old, let's use an example here. Uh, if you're a 30-year-old, 100 minus 30 means 70% of your asset allocation should be in stocks. If you're a 50-year-old, the rule suggests you should be 50% invested in stocks. That is 100 minus 50, okay? So as you age, you become more and more conservative. That is, you, you invest less and less into stocks and invest more of your money in conservative investments like money markets and bonds. This is just a rough rule. Some people advocate, given the increasing life expectancy, we should be using the 120 minus rule or 110 as a starting point. Um, but the 100 minus rule kind of works for most people. Um, so that, that might be something you want to consider, particularly if you're in your young age and you're not really sure what to do with your money. So if you're a 25-year-old, you really have to put at least 75% of your money into stocks, okay? Now, what do young 25-year-olds want to do these days? They want to buy a house. That's what they want to do. They want some housing security. That's okay. If, if that's your style, if that floats your style, that's completely fine. But we've established in previous podcasts, and you looked at the literature and looked at the numbers, over the long term, you're going to get more bang for your buck with the Australian stock market than you are in the property market. That's just what the evidence has suggested. Now, are there any products in Australia um, that can automate this process? Now, we've come to this point where we've talked about asset allocation, the type of assets, 
diversification and you know how do we uh, you know allocate assets based on age are there any products in australia at the moment which can automate this process Yes, there are products at the moment. They're called target date funds or life cycle funds. Now, basically, you pick a fund based on your retirement year in the future. So if you're 30, if you want to retire in 37 years when you're 67 or 40 years when you're 70, which is probably what your retirement age is going to be, um, you can pick a target date fund. So the closer you get to that retirement year, the more conservative the investment becomes, and it happens automatically. These types of funds are very common in North America and are increasingly becoming popular in Australia as well, especially for superannuation. So look out for them. They're called life cycle funds or target date funds. Now, you've got asset allocation down packed, you've diversified, you've done everything, but what happens if there's an imbalance in it? And this is where we talk about rebalancing. Okay, what does rebalancing mean? You can rebalance the account usually every year or so, or sometimes three yearly, but it's not something you want to do too often. Okay, rebalancing just means that every year or whatever time period that you want, you look at the asset allocation and you look at your net worth and you look at your portfolio and ensure that it's not too skewed to one particular asset class. Supposing you start off with 60% stocks and 40% bonds, and after 12 months your stocks are worth 80% of your portfolio you might want to sell off 20% of those stocks and invest in the bonds to maintain the ratio, okay? Because you started off with 60% of your portfolio of stocks, which has increased in value because of the stock market going gangbusters, and now your stocks are worth 80% of your portfolio, which is, you know, a bit too much when you think about it, depending on your age, of course. You might want to say, no, I want to go back to 60-40, so you sell off 20% of your stocks and reinvest into the bonds, okay? Now, hang on. Why would anyone in their right mind want to sell stocks if it's doing so well? Because I thought the whole idea was to, you know, make money out of, you know, getting the stock market going high. Well, that's actually a very good question. But remember, you're aiming to buy low and sell high. So if your stocks are overbalanced and they're valued or overvalued and are really doing well, it might be a strategy to sell them and buy undervalued bonds instead. It all depends on your risk profile again, investment time horizon, and financial goals, the three concepts we've talked about in the past. This is what we've talked about earlier in this podcast as well. Okay, so is there an optimal strategy for asset allocation which works for most people? So if you were to have a rule-based investing, is there anything like, you know how I say, you know, try and save 20% of your after-tax income and invest it? That is a rule, that the rule that you need to stick by, that is a pay-yourself concept. Is there an optimal strategy for asset allocation which works for most people? Is there any rules? Well, there is and there isn't. Now, Ray Dalio talks about the all-weather portfolio. Now, Ray Dalio, if you're not sure, if you watch Bloomberg or CNBC, this guy goes to World Economic Forums and directs foreign policy in terms of investments and banking, etc. He's very, very influential. He runs Bridgewater Associates, which is a hedge fund, which are actually not taking on any new clients. That's how wealthy he is, and that's how influential he is. He can pick and choose who he wants to deal with. And it's quite an ingenious idea, actually. And his fund made 9.5% during the GFC, while the rest of the world was literally burning. So this guy made money of 9.5%, while everyone else was burning in hell, uh, in terms of, you know, not literally burning in hell, but you know what I'm talking. It's a figure of speech. So basically losing money in the GFC, except this guy made money in the GFC. So it's well worth listening to and reading about. Now, Ray Dalio revealed the all-weather portfolio to Tony Robbins, the motivational interviewer. We all know Tony. 
from back in the day in the 90s when he used to sell all those motivational tapes. Uh, and basically, Ray said, rather than investing 25% into stocks, 25% into long-term bonds, 25% into commodities, and 25% into intermediate bonds, basically splitting your money according to its value, you need to split it according to the risk. Now, that's something that, that is just mind-blowing when you think about it. So if you have 100 grand, what he's saying is don't split 25 grand into stocks, 25 into long-term bonds, 25 into commodities, and 25 into intermediate bonds, because you're basically splitting it according to value, you really should split it according to the risk profile. So therefore, if stocks are risky, and they are because they're the most risky component of any asset allocation, you need to only invest 30% into them, invest 40% into long-term bonds, invest 15% into intermediate bonds, 7.5% in gold, and 7.5% into commodities. He states that if you did this, no matter what the economic climate is, inflationary, deflationary, high economic growth, low economic growth, you will end up making money most of the time. So that's a very important sort of all-weather portfolio. I'll just run through that again in case you didn't get that. He says, rather than splitting money according to the value, split the money according to the risk of the asset class. And he reckons you only need to invest 30% into stocks, 40% into long-term bonds, 15% into intermediate bonds, 7.5% in gold, and 7.5% into commodities. Now, take this with a grain of salt, because this guy is a multi-billionaire. You know, you're not a multi-billionaire. Uh, otherwise, you probably won't be listening to this podcast. I'm not a multi-billionaire. So take it with a grain of salt. Make sure that you don't just apply these random principles to your own personal life without talking to a financial advisor or a proper accountant. But he states that if you did that, no matter what the economic climate is in the long term, inflationary, deflationary, high economic growth or low economic growth, you will end up making money most of the time. Now, applying these rules, how has this done since the 1980s? Let's backtest it a bit, okay? It's based on the American markets. But the Australian markets are relatively similar, okay? So if you invested like this, you'd be right since the 80s, about 85% of the time. That is an incredible statistic. In fact, if you back-tested it, even during the Great Depression, you only lost 20%, while others lost 60% of their market value if invested only in stocks. Again, all of this is based on two main things. One, investment time horizon. Two, risk tolerance, and this in effect is based on your financial goals. So that's about it. Okay, that's episode 50. That is asset allocation in a nutshell, along with diversification and rebalancing. Let's summarize some of the things about it. Asset allocation is a process of allocating your capital, that is your money, to various asset classes. The main traditional asset classes are stocks, bonds, and cash. There are several non-traditional asset classes like metals, commodities, REITs, etc., etc. Asset allocation depends on your investment time horizon and risk tolerance, and asset allocation and diversification can sometimes be mistaken or used interchangeably. That is not the same thing. They're both different concepts. Diversification is technically meaning within a specific asset class how you allocate your capital within that asset class. Asset allocation is how you asset your capital across all different assets. 
We talked about uh, um, rebalancing. So what is rebalancing? Over time, your asset allocation might get skewed. So you need to ensure your rebalance uh, such that it reflects your investment time horizon and risk tolerance. And is there an optimal strategy for all this? Ray Dalio's all-weather portfolio might be worth a look if you're into that sort of thing. It may not be specific to your personal financial goals, so beware. And lastly, there are set target date funds in Australia, particularly within super, that take into account asset allocation based on your target retirement date. Now, that's about it. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode 50. Like always, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a qualified accountant. This podcast channel and episodes is for entertainment purposes only. And I hope you learn some of the principles and try and apply to them uh, in your own personal life. Once again, shout out to Yalu for the idea about this podcast. Appreciate it. I've got a few more coming your way. I get a fair few messages mainly via Whirlpool and Facebook. So thanks for that. And also some useful feedback uh, via text and email as well, which is very useful. Until next time, this is Dev Rucker Personal Finance, episode 50. Remember, save 20% of your after-tax income. Invest it for the long term, 30 plus years at least. Reinvest those dividends and always try and automate it. And until next time, read up about asset allocation. Log into your super and you'll be surprised where your super is invested in and how diversely asset allocated it is. Until next time, stay safe. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered.